ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for this day. We thank you that you're holy. We thank you that we can worship you, Lord. We thank you that you have called each and every one of us to come here this morning to hear you speak to our hearts. I pray this morning, God, that you will open our hearts, help us to hear you, and help us to learn from you, and help us to live a life that is pleasing to you, God. Thank you so much for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can take a seat. If you're new here, my name is Jonas. Um, from Mozambique, Africa. I'm an intern here in, at Mercy Hill. Um, I take Fridays to spend time with Pastor Eric, um, learning from him, and I'm glad to have the chance to be here standing before God and before you uh, sharing the Word of God. Uh, this past few weeks we've been... Um, learning about the life and ministry of Elijah. And I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the things that we've, spoke, we've spoken about that we have learned throughout the past few weeks um, that marked the ministry of Elijah. One of the things is faith. His ministry was marked by faith. Um, and we have seen faith manifested in his life and in his ministry by the way he handled um, the Word of God. Uh, he believed in God, and he was given instructions. He knew that the instructions came from God, and he followed them exactly how God had told him. And we have seen because of, that because of that, because of his obedience, because of his faith in God, um, many miracles happened throughout his ministry. And the other thing that we can learn from him this morning is the fact that he was obedient to God. And you and I, as believers in Christ, we are called to obey the Lord God and have faith in him. Because the Word of God says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, you as a believer of Christ, as a believer in God, you should have faith, just as Elijah had in God, and you should be obedient to God in whatever it is that he directs you to do. So this morning I'll be speaking on 1 Kings, 2 uh, Kings uh, chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, grab them and open 2 Kings chapter 2. And I'll, speak, I'll be speaking specifically about the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, towards the end of Elijah's ministry with the Lord, we have seen that he had chosen, the Lord had chosen a man to be with him in discipleship, and that man was Elisha. And I will ask you to excuse me if I get the names mixed up. They're pretty similar, Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elisha was ending his ministry at this point in time, and the Lord has chose, had chosen Elisha to be kind of his replacement in ministry. Now, towards the end, we see that the Lord spoke to Elijah to go to three different places. 
And we can see that in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 2, 4, and 6. I'm going to go ahead and read chapter, uh, verse 2. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And in verse 2 we read, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And in verse 6 it says again, Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. So when we read this, when I was reading it and studying it, I saw something that was really, that stuck my eye. Uh, it, it, was, it stood out to me, the fact that he was persistent in refusing to stay and let Elijah go wherever he was sent. He was so persistent. And the reason why he was persistent I believe that it's because he was so um, willing to continue his ministry with Elijah. So Elijah literally refuses to go. Elijah Elijah tells him, stay here, I have to go to Jordan. And he he doesn't want to go. He's not buying it. Stay here, I have to go to Jordan. He's not buying it. He doesn't want to go. And he wants to go with Elijah. He doesn't want to stay wherever they are. He was being discipled. Elisha was being discipled by, by Elijah. And at this point in time, I believe it's been a couple of years in discipleship, and Elijah was used to, Elisha was used to Elisha. Excuse me, Elisha was used to Elijah. <laughs> Please forgive me. Um, we see that because of that, because of that time that they had together, he had grown used to him. They had developed a relationship. And apart from that, Elisha wanted to continue in ministry with Elijah. And so he wanted to go wherever Elijah was going. And so he didn't want to stay. And he wanted to go. And as you walk with the Lord today, you're going to be confronted with situations where you have to take a stand. You have to make a choice. And some of those things might not be necessarily bad or ungodly, but you might find yourself in a situation that you have to make a choice and you have to take a stand. And Elisha did that. He took a stand. I'm not staying and I'm coming with you. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 26, we read a story about Jacob. He had deceived his brother, and with the help of his mother, he fled from home to go somewhere else. So in that trip, as he was leaving, he got to a certain place, and he decided to overnight. While he was sleeping at night, he had a dream. In that dream, he saw, he saw a, a ladder that came 
from heaven all the way up to the earth. And on that ladder, there were angels going up and down. And in heaven, there was God. Now, before even that, at some point in his life, Jacob found himself in a situation where he has to take a stand. He really had to make a decision. And this one, an incident happened in his life where a man came from God and he spoke to him. And when he wanted to leave, he had to take a stand not to let him go. He decided not to let him go. And they fought. He fought with him throughout the whole night, fighting with him. And we can find that story in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24, that says, the Jacob, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let, go, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So we see Jacob here in this situation taking a stand and not letting this man go because he wanted a blessing. And like I was saying, in ministry, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you have to take a stand. Jacob wanted a, a blessing. And Elisha also wanted a blessing of the spirit that was in Elijah. And he had to take a stand. Now, the three places that the Lord sends Elijah to go are Bethel, Jordan, and Jericho. These are three places that have a very big historical significance in the history of Israel. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this. In Bethel, what happened in Bethel? When Jacob was fleeing his brother Esau, as, we saw, as I said earlier, he got to this place, and there was a ladder that went from heaven all the way down to earth, and he was there, and he saw that ladder. He saw the angels going up and down the ladder, and the Lord was up there in heaven. And when he, when he wakes up, he realizes that that place was a place that was filled with the presence of the Lord. And he named it Bethel, which means the house of God. So there is an, a certain importance of this place, and the Lord sends Elijah to go to that place. And about Jordan, Jordan was a river and when the Israelites were coming from Egypt with Moses, at some point Moses died and Joshua took um, Moses' place as the leader of the Israelites. And they continued their trip until they got to Jordan. So at this point, the river was, the, the, waters, the levels of the water of the river were so high that there was no way all of them would go across the river there had to be a miracle. And Joshua leads the people to that place. And he leads the men that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant to stand in the water 
and the water literally stopped. The Lord caused the water to stop running. And the people of Israel went across the river on dry ground. So we can see here that this is the history of Israel, and it's a place of, uh, of significant importance. And what happened in Jericho was a victory of the people of Israel. As soon as they crossed the river, the very first town they got to was the city of Jericho. Jericho was a city that was surrounded by, by a wall, a very fortified wall. And they got there, they had to fight. And the Lord fought for them. The Lord instructed them to go around the city once a day. And on the seventh day, they had to go around seven times. And after those seven times, they had to shout. And at that shout, the walls of Jericho were demolished completely. And there was the victory of the people of Israel. The Lord himself giving them the victory. So these three places are places with very significant importance in the history of Israel. And the Lord God sends Elijah to those three places. And Elisha wants to go with them. Now, what I wanted to talk about here this morning is the fact that these three places, even though they're significant in terms of history, at this point in time, they're characterized by um, worshiping idols, idolatry. There is a lot of idolatry going on in Jericho, in, in Jordan, as well as in Bethel. These three places uh, are part of Israel, and there is a lot of idolatry going on. And I believe that Elijah, by being sent there, it was part of his ministry, to minister to the people, to the locals. And Elisha wanted to go with him. And he persisted, and he put his foot down, and he went to those places with Elijah. We need to be persistent in our faith. Because there's going to be trials and temptations as we serve God. The way we view those trials and those temptations, they have to be with the eyes of the Lord because our faith grows in those circumstances. So we need to persist. And we need to be devoted as Elisha was. And we can see that in his persistence. So the other thing that I'll be talking about this morning is the fact that we depend on the Holy Spirit, our dependence on the Holy Spirit. Now it's time for Elijah to go, to be taken to heaven. In verse 9 we read, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so with you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. It's time for Elijah to go. Elijah to go to heaven taken by God. Now, the desire that Elisha has is to have the spirit that is in Elijah. Elisha wants to have that spirit because he knows that when Elijah goes, he is going to stay. 
and he wants to serve God. That is why he wants the spirit that is in Elijah. In Elijah. And we see here that he's humble. And what makes him ask for the double portion of the spirit is the fact that he's humble. He knows that by himself he will not be able to fulfill the task that the Lord has for him. And he humbles himself and he wants the spirit that's in Elijah. Now, why a double portion? This is something that is significant in the culture of Israel because in those days, the firstborn son of each family had to have a double portion of his inheritance. Now, when Elijah asked for a double portion of the spirit, he's considered here the son of Elijah in, in faith. So he's been having discipleship with Elijah for some years. And now it's time for Elijah to go. And as his son, he's going to live an inheritance in faith, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be asking, why didn't Elijah have the Spirit in him as he, as he was serving the Lord? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit worked differently. It was given to specific persons at specific times to fulfill a specific task. And we can see that in this situation with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah had the Spirit in him. And the reason why Elisha did have the Spirit that was in Elijah is because he did not have that Spirit. Another example is, is found in the first Samuel. King Saul was given the Spirit of God, and he was filled with the Spirit of God. And at some point in his life, that Spirit was taken away from him, and he was replaced by an evil spirit. And that Spirit of God was taken to David. So this is how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. But now, in the New Testament, it works completely differently, because you and I, as believers, you have the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit lives within you. It's no longer like in the Old Testament where specific people were taken, I mean, were chosen to have the Holy Spirit. Now, we see Elisha humbling himself. He's humble, and he wants to have the power to be able to fulfill his ministry. And that is why he's asking for the inheritance of the Holy Spirit in his life actually a double portion of the Holy Spirit as the firstborn son. He knew and he recognized that only the Holy Spirit would get him through his ministry because he knew that in his own strength he was not able to do anything without God, without the Spirit of God. And so you and I, we need to humble ourselves before God. Even though we have the Spirit in us, it's not a reason for us, to, for us to be prideful about it. We need to humble ourselves before God because it's only Him who gives us a Spirit and humility is something that is brought by the Spirit because on our own we cannot be humble at all. In our human nature, we are prideful. 
And humility is brought by the Holy Spirit that's in you this morning. We need to desire to do God's will just as Elisha desired to do God's will when Elisha was taken. Now, the way Elisha was taken was pretty dramatic. He's taken by God in a whirlwind. I don't know if you have seen a whirlwind before. How many of you have seen a whirlwind before? In Mozambique, in Africa, it's very usual. It's very common to see whirlwinds. I've seen whirlwinds all my life when I was in Mozambique. I would say even uh, once every two weeks, I would see a whirlwind. Whirlwinds over there are considered a little bit mysterious, just probably because of the way it works. You see, uh, the way we saw it is we saw like this wind, you know, in, fir- in, in the form of a circle moving, and all the leaves that were around, sometimes it even affected houses and destroyed roofs of houses. Um, and so they're considered a little bit mysterious. And I've heard growing up that there was a ghost in a whirlwind. So every whirlwind has a ghost on it. And today, when I see this, when I read this, and I see that Elijah was taken in a whirlwind, and what I, what I see here is what is in the whirlwind is not a ghost. It's God himself. He made the whirlwind, and he is there on the whirlwind. And so he uses the whirlwind here to take his, his, his servant, Elijah. Just imagine, you know, watching that situation happen. You're standing there, and you're watching it. And you're watching a man, a person like you and I, being taken to heaven. This man did not experience death. There was never a grave for Elijah. He was taken to heaven. Our God is that powerful, brothers and sisters. He is that powerful. There is another instance in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where a man called Enoch was also taken to heaven. Not in a whirlwind, but we are told that he was taken to heaven. He disappeared. Nobody saw him again. And he's described as a man that pleased God. And so God can do anything and everything he pleases for his glory. In Romans 8, verse 1, it says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is all will also give you give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, you have accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You have the Spirit of God in you. You do not have to doubt it. You don't have to doubt it. It's in you. And remember, this Spirit is the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the same Spirit that is in you. And it's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's this spirit that is within you. And it has the power. God is inside of you. That's powerful. That is very powerful. One time, when I was in a youth group back in Mozambique, 
we had a program where we decided to go and have an overnight prayer at a church that was at the foot of the mountain. Um, and there was a cemetery on the other side of the, of the mountain. And so there were so many rumors amongst the neighbors of that, uh, of that neighborhood, of that, of that area, saying that in the night, they would see ghosts on top of the mountain. And they would glow, they would shine, and they, they were able to see those creatures, those, those ghosts. And even with that, we decided to go to that church and worship. And so we went and we, we were there. We had an overnight prayer. And while we were there, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And we never saw any ghost. And there are some believers that had gone there and they claimed that they had seen ghosts while they were praying, ghosts standing somewhere and looking at them. But when we, go, when we went there, we did not see any ghosts. And, and so at the end of our prayer meeting, we asked ourselves, how come we didn't see any ghosts? No ghosts came to uh, threaten us or do anything with us. And there is only one answer. When you have the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of God. And God is in you. There is nothing that can threaten you when you have the Spirit of God in your life. In fact, the Word of God says that the spirits know God and they tremble before Him. So it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, you don't have to fear anything because you have the Spirit of God in your life. Back in 2 Kings, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it says, As they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And then he took the cloak of Elijah that, he had, that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elijah went over. So we see here that when, the world, when God takes Elijah in the whirlwind, in the whirlwind Elijah is left alone, but he has the cloak. He has the robe of Elijah with him. And that symbolizes the Spirit of God that is now with Elisha. Now he has the power to continue the ministry that Elijah has had started. He can go and minister to people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he shouts, my father, my father. I believe this came from the heart of feeling the need for being, uh, to be with Elijah because he was so used to him. He had developed a relationship with him, but then he knew that he had the power of the Holy Spirit in him, and then he left. And he went to the Jordan, and he 
Using the cloak of Elijah, he parts the water and he goes over. If you have ever done discipleship, I believe you know what is going on here. Somebody that you have, you're used to, somebody who has influenced you so much in your life, in your faith, knowing that they're going away, either through death or you know, relocating to some, some other place, I believe there is emotion in your heart through that situation. And I believe that's what was happening here. And Elisha calls, my father, my father, a sign that he was the, father of Eli- he was the son of Elijah in faith. And so that is why he was given a double portion of the spirit that was in Elijah. Elijah is trans- Elijah is transformed by the Holy Spirit. From the moment that he takes the cloak, he experiences transformation in his life. Previously, he saw miracles happening when Elijah worked, when he was, when he was with Elijah. And now, the miracles are happening because the Spirit is in his life. He has the Spirit of God in him. And miracles are already happening. He uses the cloak and he hits the water and he gets parted and he goes through. In the, here in the New Testament, we do not have to ask for a double portion of the Holy Spirit that's in somebody to come with us, to come to us, to our lives. Because we're told that we have the Holy Spirit from the moment that we accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior. In Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, be, now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So Enoch, as I was saying before, he was taken up to heaven because he pleased God. The Holy Spirit was in him, and he, he was able to please God. The only way you can please God is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would guide you in your walk with the Lord, and you will be able to do God's will through the strength that comes from the Lord. And in Matthew, Matthew 3, 16, 17, it says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In this instance, we see the Holy Spirit manifested. Actually, the whole Trinity is manifested in this, in this instance. We see the Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending from heaven and coming onto Jesus, and the Father speaking from heaven. And what we see here in this situation is the fact that Jesus, after this event, he goes, he's taken to the desert to be tempted. He now has the Holy Spirit, and he's able to have strength enough to defeat the enemy. And we see that at that time, when, he, when the when devil came to tempt him, he quoted scripture, and he was able to resti- resist. 
he did not fall into temptation. Another instance happened after Jesus went up to heaven. He had promised to send the Holy Spirit once he went. And all the believers, they were gathered in a, in a room like this. They were praying. And during their prayer, it says the Holy Spirit came and filled the room. And we can read that in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were, they were sitting. And divided in tongues, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, pre uh, to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see here, in, this is the first time the Holy Spirit comes upon all the believers at the same time, since the Old Testament. So the believers are, uh, are sitting there in prayer, they're praying, they're worshiping God, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills each and every one of them. And as a result, we see the Word of God growing after this event. Each one of those men, they're scattered. And wherever they go, for some reason, they're not all together. One goes there and the other goes there. And wherever they go, they do not forget about God. They have the power of the Holy Spirit and they testify to other people. And that's when the church started. It was the beginning of the church. And the Holy Spirit worked throughout the church. The Holy Spirit is in you. These guys that were filled with the Holy Spirit were believers, just like, that, just like you and I today. And we're told that from the moment that we believe, He gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, back to 2 Kings. After Elijah received the cloak that belonged to Elijah, after Elisha uh, took the cloak that belonged to Elijah, four things happened as a sign that he had the Holy Spirit in his life. And the first thing is what I have talked about recently, that he went to the Jordan and he, part, he hit the water with a cloak and the water was parted. That is not something that he could have done without the Holy Spirit in him. The power that allowed him to do that, it came from the Lord. It came from the Spirit that was now in him. And it says there was, there was a man that was standing by, looking at him, watch, watching that, that, that situation happening. And they saw it, and they said, yes, now the, the Spirit of Elijah is in him. What do people do when they look at you? Do, you, do you? do they know that the Holy Spirit is within you? We see that these men here, they saw the situation and they knew that it was only the Holy Spirit that could have done that. It could only be the Holy Spirit. And the second thing that happened is the sons of prophets... When this happened, the sons of prophets came to Elisha and they asked him, can we go and look for Elijah out at the mountains? Maybe he was taken to the mountains somewhere. Let's go. Allow us to go and see if we can find him. 
And Elijah told them, you're not going to find him. He's taken up to heaven. You will not find him. But they were stubborn. They were stubborn. And Elijah let him go. Well, whatever, you can go. And off they left. They went to the mountains and they looked around. They never found him. They came back to Elisha and said to him, he's nowhere to be found. And this confirms that the word that comes from the mouth of Elisha, it comes from God himself. Now God, Elisha has the spirit of God and what comes from his mouth is the truth of God. And they believed in that. The third thing, it happened in Jericho. Since the city of Jericho was destroyed in the, whole, in the Old Testament at some point, the city was completely cursed. And the water from that city was harmful for the human beings. And it says that the water caused miscarriages. If a woman would, bring, would drink the water, she would become sterile. And that's how bad the situation was. And when Elisha gets to Jericho, the, the spirit that was with him, it directs him to throw salt into the water, and the water immediately was healed. And again, this is not something natural. It's supernatural. It's something that comes from the Lord. It's the power of God acting at that moment. And I believe the people who saw that happen, they believed in the Lord. Because it had been so long uh, since that, the water was bad in that city, in that town. And now, just in that situation, Elijah heals the water. Elisha heals the water. And the water became good and was drinkable now because the man of God had performed a miracle through the Holy Spirit. And in another instance, some small boys came to Elisha and they were mocking him, calling him baldhead. They called him baldhead, just an offensive word against him. And Elijah curses him in the name of God. And in that, in that moment, she bears came and consumed 42 of them. Just imagine that. 42 people dead at that moment. This is the power of the spirit that was in Elijah, in Elisha. And as I close here, I'm going to call the worship team to come up. And I'll read Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to him. This is scary. It's scary. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you do not belong to God. You do not belong to the Lord. 
Jesus will come one day and he will only take with him those who belong to him. If you're sitting here this morning and you think you're not right with God, you know that you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you know that you're not necessarily a believer in the Lord Jesus, then yeah, the Holy Spirit is not in you. Because once you believe in the Lord Jesus with your heart, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Now it says here that when Jesus comes and he finds you with no Holy Spirit in your life, you do not belong to God. And so you will say, he's not going to take you. And this is, this is scary. You're here this morning and I urge you to seek Jesus. And only Jesus can turn the situation around in your life. If you're at the point where you're thinking, do I believe this Jesus or not? Is he real or not? I tell you this morning that Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. God is real. And at some point, he will come to the earth to take his church. You've got to get right with God. And the day is today. Don't leave it until tomorrow. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We do not know. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that's in our lives. Thank you for the strength that is given by the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray this morning that this week God, that we will seek the Holy Spirit, that we would seek Jesus to change our lives, that we would be more and more like him, that we would live a life pleasing to the Lord, a life that will cause people to wonder what is in us and that will draw them to you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the fact that we can come to you, Lord, and call you Father. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.